0: Let us pray together. Father, how grateful we are for the privilege that is ours to be in this high holy place of worship. Thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies toward us. God, we have worshiped you, we have sung songs, we have prayed, we have fellowshiped one with another. Now, Lord, as we turn our attention toward your word, our prayers that you might make it come alive, that you might speak to us, that you will challenge us, But ultimately, God, our prayer is that you will change us as you continue to conform us into the image of your dear son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray and ask you for it all. Amen. Well, good morning. morning. Come on now, Good good morning. I greet you with the joy of the Lord. What a joy and privilege it is to be in this high holy place of worship. Certainly want to thank your pastor, even in his absence, for the sacred trust that he has given to me to stand in this holy place. Well, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we want to read in your hearing the first 10 verses. It is my custom to stand for the reading of God's Word, so if you are at all possible, once you arrive at Acts chapter 3, verse 1, if you would join me on your feet in reverence and respect for the Word of God. But as you're continuing to turn, let me bring you greetings on behalf of Dr. Jim Richards and our entire team there at the Southern Baptist of Texas, where I have the privilege of serving you and the 2,600 churches that call themselves of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention to reach Texas and to impact the world. By now you have arrived at Acts chapter 3, hear ye the word of the Lord. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his undivided attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. That is the reading of God's word. You may be seated in the very presence of the Lord. For the time that has been allotted to me I'd like to tag this text by way of thought and title, The Ugly Sight at the Beautiful Gate. The Ugly Sight at the Beautiful Gate. Our world is filled with ugly sights. You don't have to travel, Cross the seas to some third world country. You don't have to go to some faraway land. All you have to do is turn on your television, your computer, your radio, or the front page of any of your local newspapers, and staring you in the face is this reality that our world is an ugly place. And while we would many of us would acknowledge that the world is an ugly place, and we hope and pray that somehow it would get better, the reality is is that our world just keeps on getting uglier. And yet in spite of being confronted with this reality of the ugliness of our world, there seems to be an overwhelming emphasis within the church that rather than addressing the ugliness that just keeps on getting uglier, we spend our time, energy, and resources beautifying and expanding our gates. And I stop by just as a reminder to say to us that God is not impressed by the expanse and beauty of our gates, but God will hold us accountable for what we do or do not do to address the ugliness that just keeps on getting uglier. I don't mean to offend any, but God is not impressed by this beautiful place. But he will hold each and every one of us accountable for our efforts to address the ugliness that just keeps on getting uglier. In Acts chapter three, I read in your hearing the story of these two preacher pastors, Peter and John. These two men heard from the lips of Jesus the assignment, the commandment to go into all the worlds to make disciples, to teach them Uh, To obey all that he had commanded them to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit And then he gave them this promise that he would be with them to the very end of the age We know it as the Great Commission But it is a commandment that was given to them and they heard it from the lips of Jesus But they understood that it was an assignment that they could not accomplish in their own strength their own ability their own intellect they Partnered together. Here we see in Acts chapter 3, these two preacher pastors working together in partnership to advance the kingdom. I believe that's a lesson that we also need to learn because it is true, we can accomplish more together than any of us can accomplish independently. And so it's imperative for us to learn the gift, the skill, the art of working in partnership. That's why I love being Southern Baptist because uh, we, through the cooperative program and your church is a key component to that, we partner together. It is churches that join their resources, their efforts together because there are 20 million lost people in this great state of Texas and we have a responsibility to reach them with the message of the gospel. We're partnering together. It's amazing to me how many churches and pastors feel that they are in competition with the church down the street or around the corner. We're not in competition. There's enough lost people to go around. And so we're not in competition, but it's imperative that we learn the partnership, that through partnership we can accomplish much more than any of us could accomplish independently. These two men partner together. But not only did they partner together, if you read the text, the Bible says that they prioritized prayer. Again, they understood that the assignment was not something that they could accomplish in their own strength. They needed the power of God working in them and through them that they might accomplish great things for the glory of God. I said something and you missed it. They needed the power of God working in them first and through them that they might accomplish great things. Likewise, my friend, it's amazing to me how many churches have so minimalized prayer, not only individually but collectively that prayer is not a priority. Listen, 1st Julius, if we're ever going to be all that God has called us to be, if we're ever going to accomplish all that God has called for us to accomplish, it is only going to be when God is working through us and in us and through us that we might accomplish great things. We must prioritize prayer. In our individual lives and in the collective setting, we have to prioritize prayer because when prayer is not a priority, then your power is not a priority. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. So the question on the floor is how much power do you want to accomplish all that God has called you to accomplish? But there's a third man in the text that often go unnoticed. The Bible says in the second verse that there is a certain man who is lame for him from his mother's womb. Do you see him? this man was not some drifter this man was not some homeless hobo this man had somebody who loved him enough i know that because the bible says that every day he was carried and he was laid that says to me that he had somebody who loved him enough to every day pick him up carry him and strategically place him in close proximity to the people who claimed to be touching God. They would place him outside the beautiful gate because his condition precluded him from being welcome inside the beautiful gate. The people inside the beautiful gate did not want him in their beautiful gate with them. And so the closest that he could get was outside the beautiful gate. He's been strategically placed there by somebody who loved them, but he's placed there to beg for ministry from those who've been called to minister. I told the earlier crowd, you may not see the irony in the text, but there's a whole lot of irony there because this man is in obvious need of ministry. You would agree, wouldn't you? Here is a man in obvious need of ministry, and yet he's being placed outside the beautiful gate to beg, he's begging for ministry from those who have been called to minister. Because we believe in the priesthood of all believers and each and every one of us have been called to be ministers, to be agents of transformation for the advancement of the kingdom. I know you don't see the irony there but there's a whole lot of irony there. Here is a man in need of ministry and he's having to beg for ministry outside the beautiful gate. It was his custom every day to go, to be placed in close proximity, to beg for ministry from those who've been called to minister. Every day he was there. Every day it was the custom of Peter and John also to go to the temple. My question, brother Jack, is why didn't they see him every day prior to this day? Not quite sure, but I got a sneaky suspicion I might understand. Because sometimes those inside the temple place responsibilities and duties and expectations even on the preacher pastor that sometimes even preacher pastors are so overwhelmed meeting the needs of those inside the temple that they sometimes fail to do ministry outside the temple. I know that's not indicative of your pastor because he's very evangelistic and very mission-minded, but I just stopped by as a reminder that we have a responsibility to minister to the ugly sights outside the beautiful gate. On this particular day, Peter and John are on their way to the temple and this man is there. He'd been there every day prior to this day, but for the first time, they see him. The Bible says that Peter fixing his eyes on him, that's not a glance, that means for the first time perhaps he saw him. Maybe he had seen him before but he didn't really see him because if you know like I know that sometimes I see things that I don't really see. But this time he sees him, he fixes eyes on him and the Bible says that he stops after the man asks him for a handout, tells the man to to look at them, and so he gives them his undivided attention. He's expecting some money. He wants a benevolent offering. He wants a handout. But Peter is broke, and so Peter drops this bombshell on him and says, silver and gold, I do not have. I know you want money, but I don't have any money. I don't have what you want, but I've got what you need. Don't run past that. Peter did not concentrate on what he didn't have. Peter recognized that what he did have far exceeded what he didn't have. He didn't have what the man wanted, But he knew that he had what the man needed. The reason that that is significant for us, my friends, is because there are many of us who rather than use what we do have, we've been concentrating on what we don't have. And we've been using excuses for not using what we do have because rather than concentrating on what we do have, we've been focusing on what we don't have. And I stopped by on my way to heaven as a reminder to each of us that if we would concentrate more on what we do have, then we'll find out that what we do have, far seeds what we don't have. There are many of us who've been sitting on the sidelines of life and ministry focusing on what we don't have, that because we don't have this, because we didn't do this, because of what side of the tracks we grew on, perhaps because of our education level, or whatever excuse we've used, we began concentrating more on what we don't have. But again, I've just come by as a, as a reminder to each of us to focus on what we do have, because what we do have is so much greater that if you have Jesus, I said, if you have Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need in order to accomplish great things. That ought to be a word. That ought to be a word of encouragement to somebody because somebody's been using excuses of, of lack of education, lack of resources, lack of ministry opportunities. Let me tell you, my friends, if you've got Jesus, come. You've got enough. You, in, in fact, you've got more than enough. You, you've got everything you need. Uh, There was a song back in the the 80s that said silver and gold, silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. So Peter didn't focus on what he didn't have. Peter focused on what he did have. I don't have what you want, but I've got what you need. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Let's not run past that conjunction but. Do you see that conjunction but? I don't have what you want, but I do have what you need. I'm glad a but shows up in the text. I told the earlier crowd I'm a product of the 60s and the 70s, and in the 70s there was a cartoon series called Schoolhouse Rock. I understand you can find it on, on the internet but Schoolhouse Rock, my favorite episode was Conjunction Junction. (laughs) What's your function? I learned learned in that cartoon and English 101 the meaning of a conjunction. Can I take you to English 101 just for a second? I learned that a conjunction is a word. It links two independent thoughts together. Two thoughts that could stand independently on their own, but they're linked together with a conjunction. They are qualifiers. They qualify the statement. This is a canceling conjunction, which means that whenever I see the word but in a sentence, literally what I am telling the reader is whatever I've just said, cancel it out and pay attention to what I'm about to say. So whenever I use the word but in a sentence, what I am saying is whatever I've said is really insignificant to what I'm about to say. Have you ever told your honey, honey, I love you? (laughs) But. (laughs) Followed by some excuse. God, I would serve you. God, I would be more committed. God, I would give my life to you. I would be more faithful at serving you. But, followed by some excuse. Literally, what you are saying is, pay a, don't pay attention to what I'm about, what I just said, because what I just, what I'm about to say is really the significance of my message. Let me see if I can give you some scripture. Romans three twenty three. Paul writes under the unction of the Holy Spirit, and in Romans three twenty three, Paul writes, "All have sinned and and fallen short." of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. He then pins in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The price, the penalty, the cost of my sin is death. But, The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me see if I can make that a little plainer for you. Literally what Paul is saying is that you and I, because we have all sinned, the price, the penalty, justice for our sin is eternal damnation. That we deserve death, we deserve hell, we deserve to be eternally separated from God that's the first part of Romans six twenty-three, but there's a conjunction there and that conjunction says that you deserve this but God in his love for you loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son and that son paid his Paid the penalty for our sins that when we place our faith and hope in Jesus Christ that eternal life through Christ Jesus is ours I know you don't get excited about a butt, but I'm excited that a butt shows up right there Literally what Paul is saying is you deserve eternal separation But God loved you so much that he did not give you What you deserve? Let me see if I can make it a little bit plainer since, since that didn't excite somebody. Well, uh, I, I think they told me in the earlier service that they sing Amazing Grace in a place like this. Do y'all sing it in the contemporary song, in this contemporary service? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Save the wretch like me. Here it is. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but. Now I see. It's the butt that makes the difference. Literally, you're not celebrating what you were on the left side of the butt, but we're celebrating our life on the right side of the butt. Hmm. Here's another. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. That, that's left side. But, The master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. Now safe am I. It's the but that makes the difference. So what Peter says is, I don't have what you want, but I've got what you need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He's now proclaiming, he is declaring with his lips the hope he has in Jesus Christ. He is declaring, he is evangelizing, if you will, he is sharing the hope that he has in the name, the authority of the name of Jesus. He's telling a man who's never walked that in the power and the authority of this name, you can live on the right side of the butt. Look at what he says. He's proclaiming it. He is declaring it. And my friends, we too have a responsibility to share with those who are far from God, to share with them the hope that we have in God that they might turn to God. Evangelization, the the declaration of our lips. That is each and every one of our responsibility who've been saved. But transformation does not happen in the proclamation alone. That after Peter proclaims with his lips, nothing happens. Transformation only happens when the proclamation of our lips is joined with the ministry of our hands. You don't believe me. Look at the text. The text says that after he declares it with his lips in the sixth verse, In the seventh verse, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And when the ministry of his hands met the declaration of his lips, transformation happened. Because when he did that, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. You see that? That's what my Bible tells me that immediately his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. And he leaps to his feet, he jumps and he stands and he begins walking, leaping, and praising God. Do you see that? And he enters the temple with them. His transformation didn't happen in the temple his transformation happened outside the temple and my friends if we're going to reach the mass majority of lost people in this community and in this state it's not going to be happen it's not going to happen in the safety of our sanctuaries it is only going to be ha- it's only going to happen when we are mobilized as God's messengers and God's missionaries to engage people outside the beautiful gates Amen. And so he enters the temple with them. But look at how he enters the temple. The Bible says that he enters the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. You're missing it. He comes in with an attitude of gratitude. He comes in walking, leaping, praising God. This man who had never been to the temple could teach us how we ought to enter into the temple. He's reflecting on the goodness of the Lord in his life. He's thinking about how God has transformed him. And because God had been so good to him, it didn't matter what God had done for everybody else. He comes in with an attitude of gratitude because he knows that God had been good to him. I wonder, is there anybody in this place who can get excited with me about how good God has been to you. Now I understand if God hadn't been good to you, I understand you can sit there like God hadn't done anything. Oh, but when God has made a way for you, when God has opened doors for you, when God has delivered you, when God has protected and provided for you, when God has brought you through seen and unseen dangers, how do we sit there like God hadn't done anything? Oh, yeah, he's been just that good for every door he's opened, for every sickness he's healed, for every cancer he's delivered you from, for every job you've gotten, God has been good to us. God Almighty. Ah... He comes in with an attitude of gratitude. He comes in walking, leaping, and praising God. I'm on my way to my clothes, but look at the text. The Bible says in the ninth verse, he comes in with an, or the eighth verse, he comes in walking, leaping, and praising God. In fact, in many of our Baptist churches, if somebody showed up walking, leaping, and praising God, there's already protocol in place. There's an usher. (laughs) there's already an usher, there's already a security guard to stop him at the door say, hold on. (laughs) This is First Euless now. There's there's another church down the street you might be more comfortable at. (laughs) Uh, But look at it. I'm on my way to my clothes. Listen. The ninth ninth verse says, all the people saw him walking and praising God. Here's the picture. They were already in the temple. They had already walked past him. In their rush to get to their favorite seat, they walked past and drove past the ugly sight. the ministry opportunities outside the beautiful gate they missed because they were in a hurry to get to the temple. Can I ask you a question? How many ugly sights did you drive by this morning or walk past this morning on your way to this beautiful place? That sometimes we miss the ministry opportunities that God has designed for us because I believe in the sovereigntiness of God that whenever my path crosses somebody else's path, it is because God intends for me to be a witness in their life. And whenever I do not take advantage of the opportunities that I have, literally, I am missing the, opportunity, the ministry opportunity God has put before me. So... Here he is, he shows up at the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Maybe somebody on the left side of the temple said, isn't that the guy we always see out there with the sign that says, we'll work for food? Isn't that him? Shh. yeah, that's him. Maybe somebody on this side made an excuse and said, see, that's why I never give him anything, because I knew he was faking it. I knew nothing was wrong with him. Because we always make excuses for not doing what we don't want to do. But no, this man had a life transformational experience. And it happened all because somebody stopped long enough to see his pain. To see the man beyond the condition. To share the love of Christ with him the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, and to lend him a helping hand to help him up. So oftentimes on the surface you look at a text like this and say, okay, he is the ugly sight. But the ugly sight was not the man who was sitting outside the beautiful gate. The ugly sight was that every day he had been there and every day the people of God walked past him. That every day the people of God did not take advantage of ministry opportunities that were put before them. And My friends, we have a divine responsibility to engage people who are far from God that they might know the hope we have in God because our heart's desire is that they would turn to God. And so this man, this ugly sight, this man shows up at church because somebody showed up with the love of God in one hand and a butt in the other hand. They had the love of God in one hand, and the butt in the other. And we have opportunities every single day at our schools, in our communities, on our jobs, in the supermarkets, in Walmart, in the marketplace, to engage people who are far from God. And all we need is the love of God in one hand and the butt in the other. So come on my friends, let's get our butts together. (laughs) And let's minister to the ugly sights that are just outside these beautiful gates. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. The bad news is, is that if you have not placed your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, you are an ugly sight. That means that when God sees you, he sees you in your ugliness. He sees you in your sinfulness. He sees you in your rebellion. He sees you in your disobedience. But when you place your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are then clothed in the righteousness of God. That means that when God sees you, he no longer sees your sinfulness, he sees you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision, this is a mighty fine day to do that. The counselors are here moving into place and they love to pray with you, to share with you how you might have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you know that you hadn't been taking advantage of the many ministry opportunities before you and you want these men, these women to come and to pray with you. Maybe you need to do business with God and you want them to pray with you, to pray for you, to ask God to give you the strength to take advantage of the ministry opportunities before you. Then as God is so moved upon your heart, then now is the time to respond. They're standing. They're ready to share with you. But before you move, let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you can remind us in text of the importance of taking advantage of the ministry opportunities before us. And God, in a place like this, I never take for granted that everybody knows you. May this be the day That somebody who does not know you places their faith and hope and trust in you. Will you give them the boldness and the courage to step up out of their seat and walk down these aisles? Give you their heart, but allow these men and women to pray and to share with them. Maybe there's others here who are guilty of ignoring the ugly sights. And they again want someone to pray for them, to pray with them, to encourage them, to challenge them, to hold them accountable, give them the courage to make that move now. But above all God, as you prepare to dismiss us from this place, will you open our eyes that we might see the ministry opportunities that are just outside? Will you open our ears that we might hear their hurts their concerns will you slow us down that we would take advantage of the ministry opportunities before us for the glory of Jesus' name we pray and ask you for it all and the people of god said amen